Car Guy Radio Show. I say this calls for action, and now, nip it in the bud. Nip it in the bud. You got to nip it in the bud. It's waiting for you. Love will hold us together. <laughs> I mean, it really will. But specifically today on The Christian Car Guy, faithful loving will hold us together. There's a, a heart-grabbing line in the original movie. I hope you saw it. It's called The Santa Claus with Tim Allen. <laughs> I know you may not think that's got heart-gripping lines in it, but it does have one, at least. It may have several. But I remember the part where he there's a, a sort of a elf that tells Charlie the son that believing is seeing. Now, if you go to christiancarguy.com right now and you look at some picture, a picture that I posted there under faithfully loving, I have a very cool picture of a lion cub that is looking up at his dad. Now, I want you to picture that in your own mind. If you could picture a lion club, a lion cub looking up at his dad, what do you think that lion cub believes about his father? There's also a a cool picture of a child looking up at his dad, and he's actually holding that child. So do you think for a millisecond that that child is worried that that dad's going to drop him? Well, such is faith. And so if you look, same picture, and I want you to picture this with me. There is a man in the middle of those two. So here's a baby on the left, lion cub on the right. In the middle, there's a man who is faithfully loving. He's waxing his 1962 Corvette. I mean, wouldn't you, Bob, if you had one? Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Why, why is he doing that? You know, this car is old. It's got a lot of miles on it. Why, why is he faithfully waxing this 62 Corvette? Well, he, he knows what it's worth to him, and, and he sees the value in it, and he's, he's faithfully loving this old car, which is obviously a great deal older than old red or, or, or most of our cars out there. So focusing a minute on the opposite side of that, what happens when you break faith? I mean, these are people, the, the lion cub and his father, the man waxing the Corvette, the, the child with his father. That's all that kind of faith. But what happens when someone breaks faith? That's equally amazing to me. So a number of years ago, many states came out with something called a lemon law. You might remember that. And the basic way that worked was that a consumer, after a certain number of repair attempts, within a specific time period, would require the manufacturer to buy the car back and it would be classified, quote, unquote, a lemon, right? 
And maybe you're familiar with that. Maybe you've and its entire future would be changed. Right. It now is labeled forever. <laughs> it's like branded. You remember that show when we were kids? There you go. <laughs> branded. Da, 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 you know. And so here's this car, and it's branded a lemon. What can you do when you're branded? <laughs> I should have brought that music. I, was, I really. I, it, Chuck Connors was in that. It was good. So here comes the amazing part that. If you were a Chrysler dealer, you might imagine that we had a number of these. <laughs> In fact, we would we would have about one a month. And when you had one, you still were responsible. Chrysler, you know, they would pay the buy the car back, but you still are the one who had it, and your responsibility is now to sell this thing or take it to the auction where somebody else would buy it, but it would be forever labeled a lemon. But as it was, they would sell you this car back remarkably cheaply. And so they were a really good deal. And they were pretty easy to sell, Bob. Would you believe that? Because, I mean, here's a new car. It's got five, six, seven, eight hundred, maybe even 12,000 miles on it. But it's, you know, a third of the price of a, a new Grand Cherokee, and it's just marked Lemon. So what do you think happened if we're selling one of those a month, how often do you feel like those cars came back to get repaired, those lemons that were marked lemons? How often do you think they came back from the second owner? And the, and the answer is, I'm going to tell you ahead of time, not I never remember one of those lemons coming back to be repaired for the same thing that they got bought back for. In other words, something changed in the belief structure of the owner. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. They didn't see it as a lemon. They bought it as a value, and they just went on driving the car. Well, uh, you think sometimes people bought it and then had regret and used the lemon law to get out from under it? Right. Well, that's sometimes they would do that. But a lot of times I, I saw them bring the car back. I was on the you know receiving end of them bringing the car back, you know, it would do it for those people. I would see it do it. But I, I really believe that they had broke faith with that. Now, here is the issue, I believe. That when you buy a lie from Satan, okay, because the fact that this car is a lemon, in my opinion, is actually a lie. And Satan has fished it out there and hoping that you will bite on to that fact that your car is a lemon. Because I believe that all cars could be repaired. They're mechanical. I mean, they can be repaired. And, and so when you buy on that lie, that that thing can't be repaired, now Satan has a legitimate legal right to mess with you. The bigger challenge about these lies and these agreements I'm talking about, and faith turned the wrong way, is what do you believe if your child is a lemon? I no longer believe that they're going to make it. I no longer believe that they're going to turn to Christ. Does Satan hook onto that and now have you with that agreement? Or my boss is never going to see the good in me. <laughs> or my wife <laughs> is never going to let me load the dishwasher without... <laughs> there, there could be simple agreements like that. But here's the lie that this is never or this is always... Or whatever it is, and what happens is faith turns around and your faith has now changed, and it's now you have faith in a lie. You have 
seen something, and so you now you believe that this lie, and now you've hooked onto it, and Satan, oh, by the way, is standing there ready, willing, and able to hook you up and put you into bondage about this lie. So today on The Christian Car Guy, really, faithfully loving is when you really, really see somebody believing in you, which I wanted to point out, God had so much faith in you, Bob. He knew you were going to come through. He knew that you were going to ask for deliverance. He had so much faith in you that he sent his son to take nails through his hands, to go on a cross with his back just whipped to shreds and go through an amazing amount of torture to take on your sin because he believed He had faith. He had confidence that this son of his, Bob Young, would come through. And how wonderful does it feel for you or for me when that boss says, oh, I know Bob can handle this. Oh, I know Robbie will get this done. I have faith in Robbie. How how wonderful does it feel when your wife has faith in you, when your children go, oh, dad's going to come through. When that lion cub is looking up at that father lion, that father lion loves that look. Because that is a look of faith. That is a look of belief. That is a look of loving faithfully. You see the picture? Absolutely, brother. You have uh, opened my eyes this morning. Uh, I had no clue what you were going to speak about this morning. (laughs) But um, Satan can really sell us a a bad bill of goods. And, And just like you said, the very second you buy into that, then, then his hook is set, and uh, you're a fish flailing on the end of a line for a long time until you can get that hook out of your mouth. And about the only way that hook's going to get out of your mouth if, is if God takes it out for you. And uh, you really, really, really touched me right here just now. And so the interesting thing about faith, and of course, you know, God's very concerned about your faith in him. But believe it or not, you make agreements with Satan about yourself. I'm not good at so-and-so. I can't do such-and-such. We make those kind of agreements. Satan locks onto that, and he's got you. you. You make agreements about your kids, your boss. You make agreements about your wife. I'm not saying you, me. I'm preaching to the choir here, by the way. <laughs> I get that completely. That I, Oh, the agreements I've made. But I want to give you an opportunity today on The Christian Car Guy to make a public breaking of the agreement with us just to call in and admit that god can come in and help you break this agreement that you've made about someone something or your car that it's going to be up to god that these things come through so we got so much more coming up 866-348-7884 is the number to call in loving today on the Christian Car Guy show and what does that look like to have faith in your brother in your wife in your car that and continue to love it even when it lets you down a few times that you have faith that it's going to make it through the storm that you got faith that it's going to make it that you believe in it and what is that how does that change things versus buying a lie of satan that this car is never going to get straight that this salesman is never going to tell me the truth, that this 
<laughs> car mechanic is never going to know what he's doing. It's just, you know, we, we begin to buy these agreements. And when we do, we give Satan actually a legal right to mess with us. It's a lie. And I love that if you, if you listen to the very intro of the show, that arise my love, right? You could hear Satan whisper, he's dead. <laughs> but it was a lie. It was a lie because the father said, arise my love. And it changed everything. How many times have we bought the lie that someone or something was dead? Where we could go to our father, and here's the thing, in, in Numbers chapter 30, <clears throat> there's a whole chapter almost on how to break vows. And it says clearly that your father, if you know, you're not old enough, your father can break a vow for you or your husband can break a vow for you. So we're, we're kind of double-armed there, Bob, because we have God the Father who's willing to break those vows with us, and we have Jesus who is our husband, and both have a legal right to go to Satan and say, I am going to break this agreement. And I wanted to, I thought it would be really fun, courageous on your part, by the way, to admit that you've made an agreement with one of those things, to call and publicly say, I'm going to ask Jesus, I'm going to ask my Father to help me break this agreement and I'm going to walk in the truth. I'm going to walk in the truth that he can arise, my love. That car, that person, that relationship, that boss, or even scarier. I, I, Bob, this week I was talking to some friends, and I could tell that they had broke faith with their church. They loved their church. They were loyal to their church. They weren't going to change churches. But everything they were saying when I was listening was clear that they'd made an agreement that those people, which is essentially the church, were never going to open their Bibles, <laughs> were never going to study the scriptures. <laughs> you know, I was listening and I was like, oh man, you bought the, you bought the lie that, that, and you've made an agreement that this is never going to be. And, we, and, and it's interesting, we can faithfully love our church when we believe that there's going to be one way to go about it. So I want to give us all an opportunity. I've made some agreements. I'm going to, I'm going to cover today, but I would love for you to call in 866-348-7884 and say, yeah, Robbie, this is, I've bought the lie right here. I'm going to go on the air with you and publicly admit that I want to break that agreement. I want God to come in that situation and set me free to walk in the truth again. You got something like that, Bob? Well, brother, I'm sitting here about uh, excuse me just about two-thirds choked up um i'm not going to disclose the agreement but uh i've definitely made one and uh i bought into it a, a little while back and it has adversely affected me and people around me for quite some time and uh it's just amazing i come here and and do this show thinking, you know, I might help somebody today. And so many times I walk out of here and, and the, somebody that got helped was me by sitting here beside of you um, and just sharing. Um, Brother Billy Graham passed this week and and I got the, uh, I was listening to some of the coverage and everything and the fact that he touched more people's lives in, than anybody in 2000 years since Jesus Christ walked the face of this earth, it just amazed me. They said over 250 million 
lives were touched by Billy Graham. And um, I get a little excited if I can help one person, 250 million. Uh, you know, but the interesting thing is he did that one at a time. And a lot of occasions, um, if you saw, Greg Laurie did a film on Steve McQueen. It was really outstanding. And they showed um, his family talking about his interaction with Billy Graham. Now, I didn't realize that Steve McQueen became a Christian before he died, actually. I didn't know he had an interaction with Billy Graham. But he got on the plane with Steve when he was on his way to one of his chemotherapy treatments near the end of his life. And he asked Steve if he had a Bible to look up a certain verse. And Steve said, oh, I forgot my Bible. And he said, here, take mine. And so Steve McQueen had Billy Graham's Bible in his hand as he passed from this earth. It's a neat movie that, that, that Greg Laurie did on that. But you see, I mean, how gracious is it that Billy Graham hands you his Bible? You know, it's like, here, take mine. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I, I think that's absolutely fabulous. I, I think it's more than graceful. But see, a lot of people would not have had a lot of faith in Steve McQueen, knowing his lifestyle, et cetera. But he didn't buy the agreement, did he? No, sir, he sure didn't. He was like, arise, my love, you know, arise, my love. That's what it looks like. Well, you wonder what an agreement sounds like with your car. Well, here's what it sounds like. Old Betsy has too many miles on her. She's too old. It's going to nickel and dime me to death. I wish I knew how many times I heard that. It's an agreement. I hate to tell you this. <laughs> but, Nickel, but you're, nickels you're, and dimes are better than a $400 payment any day, bro. I mean, this is, if you can't smell the, the, the hiss of Satan in this lie, right, it's going to nickel and dime me to death, okay? Number one, I've never seen a car, you know, that nickel-dimed anybody to death. I mean, that's just not going to happen. But, at, and, and, but they're making an agreement. They bought into it. And, you know, they just don't make them like they used to. There, there, there's all sorts of agreements that we make with cars. The sad news is we make all that kind of agreements with other people. And even worse, we make them about ourselves. Uh, and the worst one is that we make them about God. He's not coming. You know, he's got better things to do right now than to work on my situation. What an opportunity today to break your agreement. We would love to pray with you to break that. 866-348-7884. 866-348-788-TRUTH. Faithfully loving today on the Christian Car Guy Show. We got Christian Car Guy Theater coming up in the last episode, in the last segment. Today on the Christian Car Guy Show, actually getting ready for a really cool Christian Car Guy Theater as we'll uh, spend some time with some agreements that you might have made about the evil noir as you listen to today's episode on Christian Car Guy Theater. That's coming up here in the last segment. So we got one more segment for you to call in and share the, the agreement you might have made that you want to break. Something like old Betsy 
has too many miles on her. She's too old. It's going to nickel and dime me to death. <laughs> they just don't make them like they used to or worse. Um, my child is never going to get this. You know, all these things that Satan has thrown the bait out there. And we've latched onto it. And to walk in the truth is one of the greatest gifts that God ever gave anybody, which is give to the Christian to see that we can accept what Christ did and help break these vows and agreements that we're making constantly. And to give an example of one that I actually had made myself, and I have to laugh now to some extent, especially since my mother-in-law, you may have known, and we talked about last week, my wife was on her way to the emergency room when we were broadcasting last week, and my mother-in-law was on life support. Well, the great news is my wife is back home. She actually flew in last night, and she is – it's almost a miraculous story, right, Bob, that um, I thought what was bad, I'd made all kinds of agreements on what was – but that hospital in Texas did a work, I don't know, that could have been done in North Carolina, and Tammy's better than she's probably been in six months, um, maybe a year. And it's that's a really cool thing. To hear that story, Robbie, that was another thing about today that just – just lifting me up, and uh, it's just pretty amazing the the way what we perceive as the worst thing that can happen is just all part of God's plan for us, and uh, it's just his way of getting us to where we need to be. But to get to my bad agreement here that I had made, it was actually about my mother-in-law of all things, <laughs> who now, by the way, is off life support. She's actually in rehab, doing really well, and so I don't, I don't know if I can ever think everyone for all the prayers for my family that we received. We got cards. S- somebody sent my, wo- my wife this beautiful afghan that they knitted. I mean, it, it, was, it was unbelievable, the outpouring of the people um, from the broadcast last week. So thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for um, what God's done, actually, through, through this and me actually getting my wife back better than news <laughs> or whatever. But I had made this agreement about my mother-in-law. You might have made it one like this yourself. I am never going to get along with that woman. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> My mother-in-law and I have had a few uh, a, a few disagreements. We're on the best terms now that we've ever been, but uh, yeah, but we did were... we did butt heads a little bit. Oh my goodness! Oh, I mean, there were times where I just I had written. I mean, if there's somebody I'd written off, I'm going to assure you that she was on that short list. Um, but God had another plan of arise my love for my mother-in-law. And if you wanted to see something funny, cause my kids, my older kids were not as, you know, have not been around me and my mother-in-law in later years, like, like my daughter, Mariah, who's younger. So my daughter Tess is in Texas and my mother-in-law is saying to Tess, well, don't worry. My sweet son-in-law is going to take care of me. And and Tess goes, well, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> and Tammy says, oh, that's your mother. <laughs> I mean, that's your father. <laughs> that's your, it's who? My father? <laughs> oh, uh, and She hadn't seen your wings. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, you know, sometimes God points these things out to us. But it's the same way with your car. It's the, way, it's the same way in so many things, Bob. But I, one of the neat agreements that you came across was apparently, from what I understand, what you were telling me that a lot of inmates were being buried in cardboard boxes, and this has everything to do with Billy Graham. 
It was um, Angola prison. I think it's in Louisiana. Um, they were burying the inmates in cardboard boxes when they passed away at the at the prison, and uh, they developed a ministry. I'm not as a what. I don't have all the information with me right now. Lori was reading it to me coming up the road yesterday, but um, she um, was telling me about they developed a prison ministry where they started building coffins uh, to bury the inmates in that passed away. And back in, I think, 2006, Billy Graham told them that he wanted his coffin to be built by these guys at that prison. And how um, I many of the inmates, you know, oh, I'm in prison, and what could I possibly do? And and these guys got to construct uh, the coffin that Billy Billy Graham's remains are in right now, and and it was immaculate. I saw the picture, and it yeah, was it's just, on the rotunda right now of the president of the United States. I mean, you know, it's or or in the Capitol. Well, and, and, I'm not sure if it's there yet. They were going from Asheville to Charlotte, and then at some point it's going No, you know better than me. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> but the but cool, the, the cool thing be, is, is that you see what's Capitol. going on there, is that all these people are thinking these inmates, you know, when they die, they're not, you know, worth anything but a cardboard box. But that ministry in that prison that values human life and realizes that every single one of those people buried is somebody's son or daughter, uh, Bob. And 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 God just used Billy Graham to, to do this. And he's just such an amazing man. And I remember watching years ago when I was tiny, when Billy Graham Crusade was on, sit down, shut up, and pay attention, <laughs> boy, <laughs> or you're just going to have some knots raised up on your head, you know. We, we really, really, really paid close attention. And... Uh, uh, I'm just so glad that, you know, riding up the road, Lori happened to see that and shared it with me and everything, and uh, it's just just some great things have been brought to our attention. Yeah, and, you know, it is really um, a, a, a surreal time in so many ways because Billy Graham and being in heaven, to me, makes heaven more real. You know, he was so clear on where he was going and realizing I don't know if you've noticed this, Bob, but it's like this for me. When my dearest loved ones go there, like my mother, my grandparents, you know, th these people, my, my best friend Vic Hill for years and years, that as more people that I know go there, it becomes more real to me. And, and, and part of my experience this week, as I understood that, that Billy was there, that all of a sudden, you know, your faith is real. And it gets back to the, to the subject of today, is faithfully loving God. Knowing, do you believe, do you believe, is it real that God came through for Billy Graham and took him to heaven? Do you believe it's real that God came through and took my mother to heaven? Do you believe it's real that God came through and took Rob to heaven, Bob? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> my mom, my dad, my son. Um, so much of my blood is already there, uh, waiting. And, uh, I just, I'm not in a great big rush, but I'm so looking forward to another hug from all three of those. 
And, and there's something that, that, that kind of pushes us to say, hey, we have the good news. We know what the truth is. We know what heaven is. And I don't want anybody's son, I don't want anybody's daughter to be buried in a cardboard box. But more than that, I don't want them to end up staying in the ground, right? I mean, there's something a lot more important, you know, that we have an obligation or opportunity, I guess, however you want to put it, to share that news with somebody that, wow, God had so much faith in you. But how many people buy the lie that there's nothing you can do to save anybody? You can't help anybody get to heaven. You know, Satan wants us to believe that because of our past or because of our present or because of something we did five minutes ago, there's no way we could possibly speak out and share God's love with anybody. And, and just and that's, that's, the, that's his victory cries as, as to use our shame and to, to use our past to hold us back. Well, I'm so glad that I seized the opportunity. I'm going to mess up before I get home. But, <laughs> but hopefully yeah, something that somebody heard here today will bring them a little closer or be a stepping stone for them getting closer to God. And, um, and maybe somebody turning loose of those lies that, that they can't do anything to help God's cause. And uh, I just hope we can help somebody along the way. All right. Very exciting. Episode 34 of Christian Car Guy Theater, Jailhouse Justice Part 11. Coming up on the other side of this break, Bob, as always, <laughs> it's a great time. We get to do this show together. God bless. Thank you so much, brother. And now time for Christian Car Guy Theater with today's episode... Jailhouse Justice, Part 11. In order to keep our faithful listeners in the loop, or you might say in the gas tank, the last three episodes of Jailhouse Justice have been about noir and hell. And we want to give you a quick rundown about previous episodes. And rundown is the operative word because Jimmy's Jeep was run down the steep cliff. It was only saved by the sheriff and his posse and Warren Winch and some sturdy branches at that particular spot on the cliff, not to mention saved by the great mechanic in the sky. Unfortunately, the most evil noir and his sidekick, Loser Lou, who escaped in Jimmy's Jeep from the church parking lot, did not fare as well as the Jeep. The late lost Loser Lou plummeted over the side of the cliff. Nefarious noir remained in the car but smashed his head into the dashboard, which is why we buckle up for safety, right? Wear your seatbelt. Suddenly, Noir is transported to a different dimension, a very real place that the Bible calls hell. At first, he can't believe this place could be hell, but to his horror, it was hell, as Noir was taunted and reminded by the incredible evil demon. The sheriff and his posse, which consists of Eustace, Nahum, Nettie, Elvira, Bob, Jimmy, and Pastor Jack, who previously were in hot pursuit of Noir and Lou, are all feeling a tremendous burden to pray for the evil Noir, despite how badly he treated them. They sense that Noir has found himself in a place that he'd often mocked and even used as a curse word. The posse and the Under the Hood team would not wish hell on their worst enemy, including Noir. I think your prayers are bringing him back, guys. Don't stop. Oh, no. 
The paramedics should be here any second, Sheriff. We've lost him again. Well, I, I can't believe how sick I feel for this guy. He's gotta make it. It's gonna take a miracle. Keep praying, guys. Pastor Jack is quoting from Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. Jesus, you said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive and forever. I hold the keys of death and hell. Oh, dear Lord, please unlock hell and let that man out of there. Set him free, oh Lord. Set him free. Sheriff, here come the paramedics. Meanwhile, Noir finds himself back in hell, a very dark place, and yet it crackles with fire and heat and periodic screams, moans, indistinguishable words. The demon continues to torment Noir. Ha! You're back again, Noir. You can't escape. You're mine. Hell is your new home, but you can't move out. You're here forever. <laughs> oh. oh, dear Jesus. I remember when I was a little boy and my great auntie Pearl on her deathbed, she told me about you. <laughs> she prayed for me, Jesus. Remember her prayer. Save me. Rescue me. I don't know. I don't deserve it. I know I don't. Please, have mercy. In the vortex of time, we see a young Noir and his Annie Pearl on her deathbed. Don't die, Auntie Pearl. Don't die. Oh, my little sweetheart. I'm so sorry, honey, but you see, I get to go home to be with Jesus. <laughs> he loves you so much, sweetheart. Remember that, he loves you. And oh, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus. Don't let my little precious grandnephew go. Save him, Lord. Let him know you. Never let him go. Help him, Lord, so I can see him again one day. Remember, sweetheart, Jesus loves you, Lazarus. <laughs> she prayed for me, Jesus. Remember her prayer. Save me. Rescue me. I don't know. I don't deserve it. I know I don't. Please, have mercy. Aw, don't you like it here? You're just wasting your time. But that's all right. You have forever. <laughs> your auntie prayed that prayer over 40 years ago. And for some kid named Lazarus, not Noir. Do you think that's going to get you out of here? That's not going to make any difference. She prayed for me, Jesus. She prayed for me. You know my real name, Jesus. My name is Lazarus! <laughs> Just then, the paramedics arrive. Is he alive? I don't know. You guys might be too late. Hey, I think I've got a faint pulse. Easy does it, guys. We don't want you to go over the cliff. Meanwhile, Noir is scooped up towards a heavenly light. No, he's mine! Sir, can you tell us your name? <coughs> Lazarus. The Under the Hood Gang in Jimmy's Jeep see what's going on both spiritually and physically. 
and begin to cheer. Oh, completely kidding in the sky. Interest? Well, pop my cap. Who would have thought that first he was Eldon, then Noir, now Lazarus? What could that mean? That's right, Gracie Kiss Tank. But we still got a little tension here, if you know what I mean. I mean, I just pray that our Jeep gets another chance and we don't go plummeting down this cliff. Whatever you do, Mosey Motor Oil, this is not the time to spring a leak. Now, you see, I fortunately, um, my, most of my oil was spilled on the curb. And now, I'm depending on the oil of the spirit, the spirit, to keep up my spirits. You see what I'm saying? Now, I will be running on fumes now, but uh, I have great faith that the great mechanic in the sky will refill me in due season as he will all of us. Isn't that right, Fernando Fuel Injector? See, si, see, si, mi amigo Mosey Motor Oil. <laughs> I believe we can be certain if the great mechanic in the sky has kept up the pressure on so far. And we will be saved just like Noir. Or Lazarus. <sighs> How do you like that, that his real name is Lazarus, not Noir? Remember Psalm 30, verse 3? Oh, Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down to the pit. <laughs> this is fantastic! Just then, the cable on Warren Winch breaks. Tune in next time when we find out what happens to Jimmy's Jeep. Has Lazarus really come back from the dead? Or is he Eldon or Noir? Now here's Danny Dipstick and Randy Radiator to review today's episode. Uh-huh, Randy. Digging up prayers from a deceased aunt was a phenomenal undertaking. Yeah. You might say it was past oral. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> but seriously, Danny, in the book of Revelation, chapter 5, the angels, they, they have bowls filled with the prayers of God's people. God knows the perfect time to answer, as he did for Auntie Pearl. Here, here just at the moment, Lazarus saw his need for a savior, Auntie Pearl's prayer was answered. Wow! <laughs> the many prayers we have prayed for people, God has not forgotten a single syllable. He knows just when to draw on that prayer. <laughs> <laughs> Randy, I'm glad God remembered. I'll have to write everything down. Then I'll lose my pad and become listless. Oh, Danny, you've lost more than just your pad. <laughs> I think you've lost your marbles. Oh, boy. Say goodbye, Daddy. <laughs> See you later, Radiator. What amazing gifted actors and actresses God has given us in Christian Car Guy Theater. For more information on them, visit the cast and crew page at christiancarguy.com. Their buyers are there, their whole story. Or go to the podcast page. There's 33 episodes of Christian Car Guy Theater there. While you're there, check out the Jesus Labor Love car repair labor for single moms and widows and hundreds of articles about all things that have to do with your car. Now remember, slow down. Jesus walked everywhere he went and got it all done in 33 years. And we are so honored that you would join us today on the Christian Car Guy Show. <laughs>